The keto diet, many people, including myself, call it the holy grail when it comes to health. It is the latest diet fad, eating like the cavemen. The paleo diet is popular with Today we are talking about whole 30 diet. It was So what exactly is gluten and why is it so problematic? All of you love a good steak. Listen up, because we're back with a meat lover's diet that is catching on. Octopus correspondent Zachary Keach here to... Welcome to the Medical Mythbusters podcast, where we set the record straight on today's most talked about medical topics and questions. On every episode, we'll hear stories from the front lines of medical care to help dispel common myths and answer the questions you've been itching to ask your doctor. And remember, you can always find more information on this week's topic and hundreds of others on MerckManuals.com. Now, here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of the Merck Manuals, Dr. Robert Porter. Welcome to the Medical Mythbusters podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Porter, Editor-in-Chief of the Merck Manuals. On this episode, we welcome Dr. Adrian Udom. Dr. Udom's Associate Professor of Medicine at the UCLA Geffen School of Medicine and Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. She's a specialist in clinical nutrition and obesity and has a practice in nutrition and weight management in Beverly Hills, and she has over 10 years of experience in this field. Uh, Dr. Udom's also one of our Merck Manual's authors who's been very helpful to us over the years. Hi, Dr. Porter. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, there's a lot of diets out there, and some of them are extreme enough that they're uh, actually unhealthy and can cause some, some harm to people. So Dr. Udom's here with us to break down some of today's most popular diets and discuss what's healthy. So Dr. Udom, my clinical practice was all in the ER, so the only dietary problems I saw were the result of the seafood diet, where if the patient sees food, they eat it. But um, I don't see patients who were on unusual diets, because they just wouldn't come into the ER. But you must have seen people who've gotten fairly sick following a diet. Can you tell me about one of those? You know, most of these uh, diets can be well-tolerated, even though they're extreme, but in some cases they can result in really serious and significant side effects. We did have one patient who was following the keto diet for several weeks and came in with what we call a pretty severe keto flu, which is a constellation of symptoms that includes really significant fatigue, even lethargy, uh, a certain degree of dehydration, and in this case, uh, our patient also had some electrolyte uh, abnormalities from following this diet. So again, it can result in some serious side effects. Yeah, so it can really throw your body chemistry off. Okay, well, speaking of the keto diet, what is that all about? What's ketosis? That's the goal of the diet, right? Exactly. So the keto diet is the latest rendition of the low-carb craze. It's essentially a diet in which people consume very high amounts of protein and fat in order to induce uh, what we call ketosis. So what happens in the body is that when carbohydrates are limited, the sugar source gets depleted and is therefore no longer available to the brain as a source of energy. So the body begins to convert fat into what we call ketone bodies, which are uh, readily accessible or available to the brain as an energy source. And that's essentially what ketosis is. So, how do you enter into a state of ketosis? Now, in order to get into ketosis, people have to severely restrict their carbohydrate intake. And we tend to 
consider carbohydrates only as bread, rice, pasta, but we forget that fruits and vegetables are also carbohydrates as well. And in order for people to, again, enter into ketosis, not only do they have to restrict uh, the so-called bad carbs, but they also have to restrict good carbs like uh, fruits, vegetables, uh, even beans, legumes. Wow, that seems pretty restrictive. Does it really help people lose weight? Right, it is pretty restrictive. So the the keto diet is primarily uh, protein and fat. And while you are eliminating a whole food source, you're eliminating carbohydrates. And again, about 80% of American diet consists of carbohydrates. So as you can imagine, people are going to lose weight when they eliminate such a broad food group or food category. Well, how sustainable is this diet? Over time, uh, this kind of intervention, as you can imagine, or this kind of diet is not sustainable. So people will begin to reintroduce carbohydrates, and therefore the weight that they've lost often is regained. But in addition to that, because of the significant intake of fat and uh, protein, rather, people can develop metabolic problems like high cholesterol from that style of eating. Okay. Now, gluten-free. Now, I've certainly heard a lot about that. I think about half the non-medical people I know are are following a gluten-free diet. Now, just for the, our listeners who aren't on one, what what is gluten exactly? So, gluten is actually a protein that is found in various uh, wheat, uh, rye, and uh, barley. It is actually the protein that is found in the kernel of these grains. Why are people steering away from gluten? A small subset, a very small number of individuals who have true celiac disease, which is diagnosed by blood tests and uh, biopsies, they uh, react to gluten. Um, But the majority of the population does not have gluten sensitivity and does not have celiac disease. But this has become a way in which to eliminate carbohydrates from the diet. Uh, The problem with the gluten-free diet is that a lot of snack foods and packaged foods are now being created to be gluten-free that have other kinds of fillers that are both non-nutritive, so there's no nutritional value, and really isn't associated with weight loss. So, uh, again, a gluten-free diet has been extrapolated from celiac disease to a weight loss diet, which really is not the case. Um, So it's sort of a way to trick yourself to follow a lower-calorie diet then for most of the people who don't have celiac disease. Well, it turns out that people don't actually end up following a lower-calorie diet because they are replacing uh, gluten-containing products with gluten-free products that are packaged and, again, uh, have no nutritional value. But somehow, gluten-free diet has been associated now and become synonymous with a healthy or a weight loss diet, and that just isn't the case. Well, can you tell us about a more effective way to reduce calories? A better way of going about this, perhaps, is to eliminate packaged foods, processed foods, many of which may or may not contain gluten, And that would probably be a better way of achieving that objective of calorie restriction as well as ensuring that people are consuming nutritious foods. And what kind of uh, nutritious foods would you recommend they replace those packaged foods with? 
I'm sure we can think of uh, most of these, but run, run down the list for our folks. So I really like to give uh, my patients broad strokes, and I um, give them anecdotes like more from the fridge, less from the pantry, uh, more from the earth, less from a package. So whole foods is really a good way to go. Um, lean proteins, fruits and vegetables, uh, even grains, beans, legumes. I've heard juicing has become another huge fad. Does it really work? There are so many food myths out there, um, myths that have somehow made it into mainstream. One of my biggest pet peeves is juicing. So juicing has become synonymous with health and has also become synonymous with weight loss. But in fact, juicing is not a good strategy at all for health or weight loss. Juice essentially takes out the nutrients, the fiber, and the health benefits of fruits and vegetables and leaves us only with the sugar. And so it isn't a way of, it's not a healthy way of achieving weight loss or better health. Also keep in mind that juicing can contain up to 25 to 30 grams of sugar. That's equivalent to the amount of sugar in a can of Coke. So again, we have to be careful with these foods that have kind of made their way into our healthy lexicon and recognize that juices, granola, many of these smoothies can be highly caloric, filled with sugar, and not consistent with a healthy diet or a weight loss diet. Another diet I've heard spoken of a lot is the paleo diet, and I guess that's short for paleolithic, which is the Stone Age. So I guess that's the caveman diet. Uh, I presume that was good for cavemen. Is it good for us today? So the paleo diet is another uh, type of low-carbohydrate diet um, and essentially is recommending a lot of uh, meat, uh, fish, uh, but in the case of the paleo diet, we don't restrict fruits and vegetables in the same way as uh, is recommended for the keto diet. The paleo diet does, however, um, advocate for excluding dairy um, and grains, which I don't necessarily recommend. Again, we talked about grains as a source of good carbohydrate that can be conducive to uh, healthy weight loss. And um, also they recommend eliminating dairy, which um, there has been a lot of discussion about dairy and weight loss. And this, I would say, is one of the weight loss myths that, that you can't lose weight with dairy, uh, which is in fact not true. Dairy can be a great source of protein. Uh, for example, eggs, for example, yogurt, which I recommend uh, quite widely. Um, and this is eliminated in the paleo diet as well. Thanks, Adrian. We're going to pause here for a quick break. Did you know you can check out MerckManuals.com to explore educational videos on procedures, exams, and conditions? Test your medical knowledge with quizzes and see how you stack up against other website visitors. And you can do it all without distracting ads or sponsored content getting in the way. Now, back to Dr. Border and the Medical Mythbusters podcast. 
And so, Dr. Udom, we talked about a lot of outrageous-sounding diets. Do you think that adds to the credibility of the diet, kind of like with medicine? If it doesn't taste bad, it's not going to be good for you? I do. I think people are looking for something new, looking for something different. And it seems as though the, the more outrageous the diet, the more credible it becomes to the public. I'd like to encourage people to really fall back on their own instincts. It doesn't have to be so difficult. And I think people really know the right way to eat. I think if people trust their gut and their intuition, they know what are the right foods to incorporate and what are the foods that they need to exclude. Um, If something sounds too good to be true, then it is probably too good to be true. Look, I can appreciate people's desire to do better, to want to lose weight, to want to get healthier, but that desire to do better should not trump their own good judgment. Now, maybe one of the advantages of these kind of branded diets, the gluten-free, that keto diet, all those, is that they're structured and people have something to follow that they can do and look up and here's how I'm going to eat. Now, those may not be optimal, but is there some place they can go and get information about the healthy diet that you describe? So um, there are various diets that have been studied for health and diets that have been looked at for weight loss. And again, those two are not necessarily synonymous. The Mediterranean diet has been widely studied for its health benefits and has been shown to reduce heart disease, has been shown to reduce Alzheimer's and cognitive uh, delay. It also improves or reduces the risk of other metabolic diseases like diabetes and high cholesterol. It is a very healthy dietary plan and style of eating. But even the Mediterranean diet will not necessarily result in weight loss unless modifications are made. So I do recommend the Mediterranean-style diet, but I don't want people to be discouraged if they don't lose weight from from following just a plain Mediterranean diet because there, we do have to make modifications in order to induce weight loss. What can you eat on a Mediterranean diet? One of the major uh, food groups that is included in a Mediterranean diet is uh, nuts, oils, uh, seeds, essentially the good fats. And these good fats can be very heart healthy, but they are ultimately fats. And if they are consumed in excess, they are obviously not going to result or is not going to result in weight loss. Right. So it's the amount you consume that's important there, but probably that diet in smaller amounts would be effective. How can people tell how much they should be putting on their plates? I like to give people general guidelines and Some of those guidelines include, uh, first, having protein with every meal. The studies show that having 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal is associated with a greater sense of fullness. It also is associated with less snacking later in the day, as well as reduced portion sizes in a subsequent uh, meal. Um, Protein has other benefits in weight loss. It helps us preserve lean body mass or muscle mass. So when individuals lose weight, we'd like them to preferentially lose fat mass uh, or fat and not muscle. 
And one of the ways in which we can achieve that is by consuming the 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. Another general guideline that I like to give my patients is to, quote, make half your plate green. So, of course, it doesn't have to be green, but the point being that we want people to consume half their plate in fresh vegetables and even fruits. Um, and so that also is a great strategy for limiting portion sizes um, and making sure you're getting all of the nutrients that are provided through fruits and vegetables. Should people be taking supplements if they're following a diet? Supplements can be tricky because, first of all, they are widely unregulated. So the, the supplements, um, including vitamins and minerals, herbs, that we find on the internet or we find over the counter are not regulated by any body or any agency. And in fact, when it comes to weight loss supplements, a recent study found that over 80% of them were what we call adulterated. So in the case of weight loss supplements in particular, I uh, very emphatically discourage people from purchasing these things over the counter or on the internet because chances are they are going to be adulterated. Now, to answer your question of whether or not people should be on vitamins and minerals, um, studies do show that people who are overweight and obese are actually malnourished, meaning that they don't have the vitamins and mineral levels that they should in the body. And so I think people who are overweight probably would benefit from a, a general multivitamin. And again, if people are losing weight and restricting certain categories of food, they also would benefit from including a, a multivitamin in their diet. What do you think is the reason for the emergence every couple years of a new fad diet? People have busy lives. We are running around after our children, uh, after parents acting as caretakers. Uh, we have busy jobs and long, work long hours. And this is not really conducive to thinking about our nutrition. Uh, increasingly, people are looking for quick ways to get food in. And quick does not necessarily mean healthy. Um, so, so it is simple advice, but it is hard to follow because of the environment and the way in which we live. And that makes it a mental challenge as well as a physical one. Can you speak a little bit to the uh, mental side of maintaining a good, healthy diet? You know, having these bad foods around, like you mentioned, really makes it difficult. Um, there was a study that looked at free lunches in the workplace and noted that people were gaining an extra 1,000 calories from free food that was provided in the workplace. And usually these foods are not healthy. And there is a mental uh, or a cognitive component to that. Um, we've, we actually know that visual cues uh, prompt people to eat more than they otherwise would. And simple, funny interventions like putting candy in an opaque jar as compared to a clear jar can reduce the amount of candy consumed. So it speaks to how powerful that visual cue can be. Can you give me a little more on that? Another uh, interesting component along those lines are 
response to smells. So there are researchers that, that talk about the pollution of smell in the environment. We all know how we feel when we walk past a bakery, for example. That smell serves as a cue that drives hunger. And it drives me away from a gluten-free diet, that's for sure. <laughs> that's true. So, Dr. Udom, it sounds like one of the common factors in these diets that doesn't sound so detrimental is that they have you eating protein. Can you tell us about that? That's right. So protein is a very important component in a healthy weight loss or in a weight loss plan. And the reason being uh, multifold. So first of all, uh, protein is a very satiating nutrient. Uh, higher protein diets will actually suppress gut hormones or hunger hormones that signal hunger at the level of the brain. Uh, our studies show that eating 20 to 30 grams of protein per diet will actually reduce gut hormones that signal hunger later in the day. 20 to 30 grams of protein can be hard to achieve. Uh, for example, a uh, three ounces of chicken or fish is on the order of 20 to 25 grams of protein. Um, it can be harder to achieve though at breakfast time. An egg, which is a common source of protein, only provides six to seven grams of protein. Cheese uh, can provide less than that um, and can also be highly caloric. So uh, while it's important to get that degree of protein, it can be difficult to do. In summing up, could you give us three of the most important points you'd like to leave our listeners with about dieting? Sure. So first of all, eliminating entire food groups is not healthy. The second point that I would like to bring up is that diets that seem outrageous are outrageous most of the time. Follow your intuition and follow your instinct. And lastly, the third thing people should remember is that people are different and people will respond differently to different diets. Not all people are going to have the same results. And so be mindful of that. Well, a lot of good advice from our diet and nutrition expert for the Merck Manuals, Dr. Adrian Udom. And she's also an author of content in the Merck Manuals. And we encourage anyone who's interested in learning more to visit workmanuals.com and read what she has to say. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. And as we like to say here at the Merck Manuals, medical knowledge is power. Pass it on. Mm -hmm.